All right, folks, we are back on the Golf Friends podcast. My name is Stefan Tiedorf, and we're here with episode two. And in my last episode, I had somebody I've known for a long time in the golf industry. And on this episode, I have somebody that I met probably 10 minutes prior to us actually talking. This week, I interviewed Jeremy Wilson. Jeremy has been traveling all over the United States, hitting all 50 states and playing golf with whoever he gets paired up with. He's writing a book called Paired Up Golf. He has a Twitter account called The Same Thing. And it's uh, when I heard about this story, I thought, I have to interview this guy. This is guy's exactly what Golf Friends is all about. It's about this people you meet, their stories. Golf doesn't need to be sexy. It doesn't need to be private courses. It's At the end of the day, it's the people you play with that make golf great. And... Just seeing his Twitter account, seeing somebody doing that, I, I know so many people that will do anything to avoid playing with people they don't know. And Jeremy's traveling all over a massive country trying to find those people he doesn't know to play golf with and tell their stories. And I had to interview him. I had to know about it. It sounds crazy to me. It sounds interesting to me. And it, it truly shows the love of the game. And, uh, everything golf friends is about so without further ado folks episode two jeremy wilson from paired up golf jeremy how's it going man hey doing well thanks for having me on yeah this is uh episode two of golf friends and uh episode one i had a, a long time golf friend uh and episode two i've known well i haven't known you i've only seen your face for six minutes and that is <laughs> I, I, I already think we're gonna we're gonna get along great and have a hopefully a, a, a golf friendship going forward. But uh, the reason I wanted to bring you on the podcast, I came across your Twitter the other day, paired up golf, and it's the perfect definition of, of what golf friends is. I don't think I should explain it. Why don't you explain paired up golf and, and uh, you know, how it started, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So paired up um, basically is, is my effort to, tell stories about the people that I'm randomly paired up with at golf courses. And so I'm sure what we'll talk about is I just finished this 50 state road trip around the U S and playing at municipal courses only. And so I was just getting in random pairings constantly with these people at munis. And, and as you know, and anyone that's a golfer that's listening knows you meet people from all walks of life. <laughs> if you do that, I mean, especially if you go to courses that, you know, keep their, their doors wide open to everybody. And that's what I found on that trip for sure. And so that what's always been most interesting to me is just the people that you meet at these courses, because I, maybe you can, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong and think of a better one if, if you can, but it's hard for me to think of a situation in life these days that, that puts you with a stranger for literally, I mean, four plus hours, you know, a lot of times, and you have to talk to them. Like you can't not talk to them really, unless you're a psychopath. Right? And it's always, it's, it's so weird because like, you're in a field. You could literally walk away, but there's nowhere to go at the same time. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I mean, <laughs> you're really walking together outside of walking towards your ball. And if their balls on like the other side of the fairway or the side of the green, like you have your time apart, but there's definitely times, especially if you're walking, that's a good point. If you're walking, which I walked almost every round on the trip. And if you're walking with people who are walking, you have to talk <laughs> pretty much. And but, like it, I'm curious because a, how long did this take to do all 50, but B, 
Are you like, are you single? How did you pull off? How did you pull this off? (laughs) (laughs) Fair questions. Very fair. Um, So I, so it took nine months, almost exactly. And and originally when I left on this trip, it was going to be a 35 state trip, which was more or less a loop around the U.S. So it was going to be, I live in Nashville, Tennessee. So I was going to leave from there, go south to Florida, west of San Diego, up to Seattle, then kind of work my way across the top of the country, back over to the east, you know, to the northeast and and down the east coast. And then once we got going, uh, I think we were in Arizona, which was maybe a month or so into the trip was when I was like, okay, screw it. Let's just do all 50 states. (laughs) And so, and to answer your other question, uh, my girlfriend and our two little dogs joined me on this trip. And as everybody has probably commented or thought (laughs) online that see my stuff is, well, she must be a saint. (laughs) She must be patient. And so, and she is, but, um, but we had a great time. We did tons of non-golf stuff, of course, and made it a really, really fun touristy trip. But the good thing is that she was able to work full-time from our sprinter van uh so during the week she was plenty busy doing that and yeah so the four of us uh two humans and two dogs took it on so what started it like are you have you always been somebody that likes to just play alone like what what made this happen so no no definitely not i mean the first post i wrote for paired up uh ever back back when I started it was I hate getting paired up and it was about all the things that I used to do to avoid getting paired up with a stranger and so uh but where that all changed for me was actually in Canada speaking of so this is too perfect that you are there <laughs> and so um so I was in uh, I was on a family vacation to Banff which is like obviously one of the most gorgeous places in the world um especially you know, in Canada certainly and so we were there and my dad and I were playing one round at uh, the Fairmont Banff Springs, a you know, famous golf course there. And it, you know, this, this was not a golf vacation. So we just, we rented clubs and we were just like, Hey, this has this epic course. Let's go play. And I had previously worked in the golf business. Uh, I, at a college, I was an assistant pro at a club in Chicago for a couple of years and had really kind of been worn out by golf. Got, got a little burned out certainly um, just from working in it. And so I was still playing at that point, but, you know, I would kind of go in and out of really caring about it versus being apathetic. And then we played this course in Banff and it was, you know, as you know, epic scenery, there's mountains surrounding like every hole. You feel like you could shank a shot off, off one of those certainly. And, um, and the weather was crazy. It was windy. It rained at one point. It was hot, cold. It was just this really wild day, but we could, my dad and I after the round could not stop talking about this older couple we were paired up with named Herb and Jill who lived in Colorado. And so like, I really always think back to Herb and Jill as like starting all of this <laughs> essentially. And um, we we were getting lunch with my mom and sister after the round and, you know, they were asking just how it was as much as someone can care that doesn't play. <laughs> and, uh, and I was like, Oh, it was fun, but listen to what Jill did. Listen to what Herb <laughs> said to us on the fourth tee box. And so from that moment, really, I was like, oh, man, I think that's what's really most interesting to me is these people you run across. And in my belief is that everybody, you know, whether they're a notable person, or, you know, well-known person, a regular person, I think everybody has a story that would really stop you in your tracks if you take the time to talk to them and hear them out. And so that's really what I've tried to do with this project. It's, it's crazy because uh, 
I think we've all been there, right? Where we all found that interesting playing partner. We all, and we've all been there. Like when you started describing uh, avoiding playing with other people that you didn't know, like I have buddies that just will, they'll book as singles, think they're going to get on a golf course. <laughs> and then three other people will book and they'll, they'll cancel. Like they, like things like that. It, it's, I, I love it too, but like, I, I can't say I've been seeking it out like that. So the what's, idea what's comes. The, what's the culture in Canada like for that? Is it, do people do that often or is it? I, golf is golf. It's, it's, I, I think we're, we're very polite in Canada. You definitely usually have your usual groups, but like, I think golf will bring anybody together. Right. So I don't think it's like, uh, you know, it's, it's not the same as, you know, playing in Scotland for say, per, per se mm-hmm. where everybody like you can play with anybody. Um, but um, I think you definitely fall into the traps of your usual foursome here, at least in, in my experience. Um, yeah. And in my experience in the States has been very much that way as well. Um, but yeah, you, you, this all comes together. Your thoughts come together. You're like, this is an idea um, as somebody that's starting a business. What's step one for you? Cause uh, you know, if you're thinking, okay, originally you said 35 states, but like even that takes work. Like, did you did you put your job on pause? What's step one in actually making this happen? Yeah. So a- after that, I'll I'll rewind a bit because after that round in Canada is when I started. You know, I, I created paired up just the social website, um, and you know, I would just just local courses I would go to around me and write about, you know, just little short things. Sometimes just on social media. Sometimes on the website about these people I was meeting. And, um, but once I got this idea for the trip, you know, I had, I had had a sales job in Nashville for, for quite a while. I mean, when I left on the trip, I think I had worked at this company for nine years and it had been like a you know really good job and I love the people and everything there. But I was just really, uh, I mean, I guess, again, let me go back some, I was, I was turning 30 and uh, on, or in April of 2020. And so my whole plan, so I had planned this trip out to do originally back in like the second half of 2019. I was like, all right, on my 30th birthday, I'm going to leave and do this trip around the country. This will be, you know, I feel like I'm into adulthood now. Uh, I'm kind of tired of this job I've had, although it's been great. I'm ready for something new. Let's do something crazy. (laughs) And, And then of course, COVID hit in March and just squashed that plan (laughs) in a major way. And and then the next year, then 2021, it still wasn't a great time to be traveling all around necessarily. Places were kind of half open, as you know. And then, so finally, the 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 everything, the stars kind of aligned for this year to do it. And so I felt like I had this, this thing hanging over my head for a couple of years of like this trip that it was almost like I felt like my life hadn't started until this trip happened. And I just felt like I was kind of on pause for a while. Um, and But the good thing is I met my girlfriend in 2020. And so that, you know, I imagine doing that trip alone now is much different <laughs> in my head than the trip I actually just did. And so that was definitely a major positive, but, uh, but yeah, so I had this thing, this trip just kind of looming over me and I had it all planned out for the most part already. I mean, I knew a lot of the courses, not all of them. I knew I would find some along the way, of course, or through word of mouth, which is the best uh, form of advertising for, for local courses. And so then, um, and so then finally we were, I was talking to my girlfriend. I was like, Hey, I really want to do this thing. I think I'm going to go crazy if I don't do it. <laughs> so, uh, I was like, so I'd rather do it and not go crazy than sit around and wonder 
why didn't I do this thing? And so uh, then, yeah, so uh, talked to my boss and was able basically to to leave that job and hit the road and start a new life, more or less. So where what was round one? That like, okay, this is the start. What was round one? Did you stay in Tennessee for round one? Or was Tennessee where you wrapped up? Like, start me off with round one. And do you remember who you met in round one? Absolutely. So uh, for some reason, that's still just like so crystal clear in my head because it was all new. I think just these things that are so new to you, you remember so much better, right? Like, it's, you know, if you're driving home from work for the 400th time, you don't really remember what you saw on the way home. Um, this I just remember so clearly. Uh, so we left Nashville and we stopped in Chattanooga because I have some family there that's about two hours away. And that's where I bought the Sprinter van was in Chattanooga. And I needed a couple things fixed on it as we were heading out. And so we we loaded up, packed up, and I drove to the people who who converted the Sprinter van for me, had them fix it up. And then I I while they were doing that, I played nine holes in Chattanooga with two of my cousins that live there and a buddy of mine named Colton. Um, so that was technically the first round, but really the first round with like pure strangers, which, which is how it was the rest of the time, was in Atlanta the next day. So like that night we got to Atlanta, we had kind of our first experience of parking in a Walmart parking lot and sleeping there overnight. I remember uh, getting our camp stove out, which we had not used ever before, which we should have tried it out before we left. That would have saved us some headaches. I remember <laughs> uh, making salmon and sweet potatoes on this camp stove in this Walmart parking lot. And then the next day I played um, Bobby Jones, this golf course in Atlanta that has been redone and is a, it was a reversible nine holes. So it, it changes each day, the direction. And the very first person I met on this trip was actually, I think he was, uh, he was extremely hearing impaired. Like I think he was almost completely deaf. And so communication was really challenging. And then, and then I played with another, another guy too, uh, on that trip or, you know, on that, during that round, but it was really a challenge to communicate, but we, you find all these new ways to communicate with someone, uh, just completely non-verbally. And so that round, I remember being like, man, this is going to be really awesome because I'm going to meet so many people just like this guy um, who are so different from my normal crowd. I think that's probably something you hadn't even thought about in the moment, right? Is that like you were just going to meet golfers, but over time you met people, right? Like you actually met and took time how many how many rounds in before you started telling people what you were what you were actually trying to do yeah so when i was still around the south it it, it wasn't too weird for a person from nashville to be playing golf and doing Atlanta something weird or, <laughs> yeah yeah exactly yeah. or you know playing in chattanooga it's like yeah. okay maybe this person's just here for the day so the first couple of rounds i wasn't really saying much i was just kind of saying hey i'm kind of doing this trip around you know the country and then so I'm from central Florida originally. So once I got down there, this is maybe my third or fourth round of the trip. I was playing my, my original hometown muni that I used to play little junior tournaments as a kid at, and hadn't played there in quite a while. And I told these guys that I got paired up with, I was like, Hey, so I'm, I'm actually working on this book right now about the people I'm paired up with at municipal courses. And really what that sounds like to them is I'm a pure stranger. They just met and, what they just heard is, hi, I'm writing a book about you. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and so I could see them shut down. They were really nice and cordial the entire time and, you know, great guys, but so guarded. And I could tell everything they were answering was really measured because they felt studied essentially. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh, I can't, I can't describe it like that. And so 
So then every round after that, I would just say, hey, I'm working on this book about municipal courses. And then the people would be themselves and, and you know, act normally and, and tell me cool things about the courses too. And so from that point forward, I was like, okay, I got to be careful with what I'm saying. Yeah. You, like make sure you're not a journalist. You you want to be on an even playing field, right? If you say, cause I mean, realistically, that's what you, you are, you've turned into, right. As a journalist, whether you chose to or not, um, right. Like people could shut down thinking that like, or they're trying too hard, right. You want it to be as natural as possible. Yes. And that's something that's kind of my number one rule of travel after doing this. And something I learned early in the trip is like my number one, number one rule is anonymity with travel. Like I wanted to get what the raw true experience is for anyone that walks up to this muni and gets into a random pairing and then finds just some people in town, you know, like or people that live and work in these cities to play with. If I would have called ahead to these courses and said, Hey, I'm traveling, working on this thing. Uh, I'm hoping to play with some people. Like they'd probably set me up with some people, but it wouldn't be a true experience if that makes sense. Right. Like they no, it wouldn't. Yeah. not, not that they would roll out the red carpet for me. I'm not some kind of, you know, celebrity <laughs> coming there to play, but they definitely would treat you differently. And so I would usually not even tell the staff what I was doing. I would never tell them until after I paid just because I didn't want them to think like, hi, uh, please help me, you know, like, please comp this round. Like, I just wanted to say, hey, this is what I'm up to. Just so, and, and I would tell them after the round most times, or if I had a bunch of time before I played, I'd be like, hey, by the way, this is why I'm, or I'd have a camera over my shoulder and be like, this is why I have a camera. And they would then oftentimes walk me around the clubhouse, show me different things that were pretty cool. Very cool. So we, we, we're off to Georgia. We're down to Florida. I'm curious, like, what is our, what's our routing? We don't have to go state by state. We'll be here all day, but like, like, are you going West up, down? Do you head up to Alaska early? Like, I'm sure you got to be pretty particular. What part of the trip you're, you're there, for example, Hawaii's in a whole other spot. Like, <laughs> right. like, how did you, like, how did you decide the routing? And if like, just like can paint a visual for people of how the, where the van ended up. And Yes. So it was somewhat weather dependent, right? Because so we left on March 20th of, of last year of 2022 and so so it was south for a while, right? Yeah. So we were, you know, I knew through the South that'd be an okay time. Like it was still kind of chilly when we left in Nashville. It's, it's total, total hit or miss that time of year. And then, but I wanted to get through the South and get through the Southwest, you know, through the desert, through Texas, through New Mexico, Arizona, and Palm Springs before it got over hundred degrees every day. And we yeah. almost made it, but we, uh, by the time we got to um, Phoenix, it was fine. Like the highs were just in the eighties and I was like, okay, this is totally fine. And then our van broke down for a couple of days there. We had to send it into the shop and then the weather flipped to like over a hundred. And so it was kind of limping to San Diego at that point. Like, oh my gosh, please get me there <laughs> where it was like 65 degrees. And so, yeah, so really it, as, as far as the mapping goes is really uh south of florida and then west along interstate 10 more or less and we got off it a little bit here and there um all the way to san diego and so that you know put us through obviously the whole south we were in texas for about a month actually so we were there for a good while uh i caddied for a buddy of mine in a golf tournament one week so that was just a quick break um from the trip and then uh so that you know we were really in texas for three weeks on the trip but 
Yeah, and, so and even a break, you're 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 still doing golf things, caddying it yeah. there. Yeah, yeah. A, a break was lugging his heavy bag around the the most unwalkable golf course I've ever walked in my entire life um, in Austin, and then. Uh, and then, so then we went, so basically all the way up the West coast, uh, up to Seattle. Once we got to Seattle, that's when we flew to Alaska and that was in July. And we, so we did Alaska for about five days. We left the van in Seattle, which oh, that's what I was wondering if you were going to drive up through BC all the way up. Cause that would have been a great little drive, but long, <laughs> yes, <laughs> very, long, very yeah. long. And we considered it, we actually had the van booked to be on a ferry to get up into Alaska to a place where we could at least then drive to Anchorage. Right. But the return, it was still booked up and the return wasn't going to get us back in time to still get to the East Coast before the winter hit. Or it was going to be like really dicey. So we ended up just flying there. And then, yeah, so then basically from Seattle, we went, you know, as far west as Wyoming, then all the way down essentially to, or as was, or as far east as Montana, down to Colorado. And then we did this really goofy drive that was from Oklahoma City up to Fargo, which... You, there's an interstate that kind of zigzags in and out of states, which was really helpful. So that was kind of our flyover country portion. And then from there, essentially, you know, around up to the Northeast and back down the East Coast. It's it's crazy because I, I don't. I mean, being in Canada, we get it um, because like Canada's huge. The states are huge. But like an international listener, I don't think really would understand what we're talking about here in terms of <laughs> miles spent um, and in a van. So like back in a long time ago, I was in a, in a band and you really get to know somebody in a van when you're living in a van with somebody. And yeah, you met your girlfriend in, in 2020, but like, that's a test. <laughs> yes. yes my my family and friends would joke like are you guys still together are you guys all right i'm like yeah we're fine we're good we're good yeah. so <laughs> didn't end up like that other youtubers or whatever the that no. the, that sensation that was going around the states for a while which is a good thing yeah. that's on that part Definitely um not yep so like um wait like what type of course are we plan throughout? Like when you're in San Diego, right? Like Torrey Pines is a municipal. Are we talking like hitting the highest of highs and the lowest of lows throughout? Is there a specific type of golf course you were trying to achieve? Or was it like, hey, this is what this, like if we're municipal, this is what we're talking about in this area? Yeah. So really everything across the board there. I mean, so yes, I played Torrey and the ones that I would put in the same, I, I kind of have these different buckets I would put courses in that I played because yeah, municipal can mean, a lot of different things as far as the quality goes, right? So, right. like, a municipal course can be Torrey Pines, which is a super, you know, busy touristy course. Um, Chambers Bay, which is one of my favorite courses, uh, just in general. And then uh, Bethpage Black, and then Harding Park in San Francisco. Excuse me, I would put like all four of those kind of in the same bucket that are, you know, more of like your bigger, well known, uh, still municipals, but um, I'd put them together and then. So I, I would play everything from those down to like these little nine holers and rinky dink towns that um, sometimes had literally one employee that cut the grass, checked you in and everything. And so I wanted to get like, what's a, what's a snapshot of municipal golf in this country, but also where are the locals playing, right? Like all the locals aren't always playing at Torrey Pines, right? Cause it's such a busy place. So like I also played um, Balboa Park in San Diego, which is much more of a locals place which is kind of right there downtown. And then I played Goat Hill Park, which is kind of the same situation up in Oceanside. 
So those are kind of my three San Diego courses, but those are a good representation of really what I was doing. Cause I just wanted to be like, all right, where do people that live and work in these cities play golf? And then I would go there. What's the one name that stands out to you of the most unique name that of golf course you played while you were out there? Like I think of like a golf course named after a guy that's been dead for 50 years, but he started it. Uh, t- those type of courses. Did you have anything like that where it's like this name has stuck out to you throughout the whole trip? Yeah, there's, there's, there's a couple. So one of them that just came to mind as you were saying that is one called Porky Oliver. Okay. Which is in Wilmington, Delaware. It's, oh, it's, damn. It's, I was like, I wanted to ask you to let, at least let me guess what state oh, it was in. <laughs> <laughs> Um, that would be a fun game if you just like if you did that one time just threw it like a list and let people guess because that like that could get fun but yes what was it porky uh porky what oh porky oliver uh so the guy's name was ed oliver but all the locals just call this place porky oliver um because that was the guy's name he was actually on on two Ryder cup teams uh for the u.s and was a great player way back in the day that was from wilmington and but everyone would be like, oh, we got to go play Porky. And then another one is uh, in Augusta, Georgia. This this one is it's technically called Augusta Municipal Golf Course, but everybody calls it the patch. And it's because the old general managers, like way back in the day, his wife used to grow a cabbage patch out there, like in the middle of the golf right. course. And so literally everyone there just calls it the patch. Like, oh, you playing the patch? Going to the patch. Yeah, that's... Uh it's always fun. like that's the fun part like i think people always like go to these places they want to play the best of the best and obviously you know it's not like you're getting out of augusta national anyway but like hey if i'm Correct. in augusta i want to know what the locals of augusta play because i would i would take a pretty good guess that uh there aren't very many locals members from at augusta national it's more they're traveling into to play there um but you know, we're talking about the courses, but that's not why you went out there, right? It's about the people. Um, I'm curious, of those rounds in the 50 states, how many of them were like, oh, I, I need this round to end. This person is unbearable. Because like, you know, we've all we've all had them. We get like everyone gets it once a summer, right? Like how many people were just unbearable to play with? Yeah, so that that's definitely, you know, what sometimes when people picture random pairing, like what comes to their mind first is their worst experience they've had right they'll think oh my gosh remember that guy that always did this this and that you know and so i was definitely ran across a couple of those um of times where i'm like okay i'm ready to go back to the car and i'm I'm good here but one of them uh i just that kind of comes to mind as you say that which this didn't happen much i'm talking maybe just a handful out of 269 people that i played with on this trip and so um because and really i mean what a point i want to make about that is that you can you have a lot more power in controlling how someone acts around you than you think you know like yes you can get a total stink bomb of a person that is just not that's just gonna be horrible to be around like that those people are out there of course but the the questions you ask and 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 the you know the way you are around them can definitely impact how they act that day too because there'd be plenty of people that i met on this trip that i was playing with who i kind of found annoying early on but i always knew Hey, there's something more going on here. Like there's, there's more to the story. And that's something that I, I really learned on this trip was, yeah, I, I hate to use this cliche of don't judge a book by its cover, but you know, I, I would always tell myself like, Hey, just find, find what's underneath all this, right? Oh, this person, maybe they're angry. Maybe they're 
so talkative that it's driving you nuts but why like like i wonder why that they are like that and once i would figure that out and once anyone figures that out you see them in a whole new way and so this person that could have easily been a, a story that's oh my gosh this guy was such a you know prick or oh this lady was um driving me nuts it's like oh no now i see them oh okay well hey maybe they lost their you know parents at a young age and they didn't have a great role model and like all these things that you start to figure out that the puzzle pieces come together so um but that said one person that that i do think of a lot is this guy in arizona who throughout the rat like was was drunk before we started clearly and was having a hard time remembering who i was the whole time and then was making these really odd comments and then just got so drunk and high by the end that he was, you know, standing over this each shot, just swaying like crazy. And I was just like, Oh my gosh, please hit the ball forward. Just make any <laughs> contact that makes it go forward so we can get, <laughs> get to 18, please. Oh, um, that's uh, that's that, that Ariz I think Arizona is an interesting state to me. I love Arizona. I would move to Arizona, but like Florida, as you know, and I know I'm, I'm talking down your state, but it has like the Florida man rep, right? Like oh, totally. Google Florida, yes. man. Arizona does too, but they hide it. <laughs> I think they hide yeah. it. When, I think there's like, there's so many Canadians that move down. There's so many people that move there, but core Arizona, like people from Arizona have somehow we're, they're just not letting the secret out. Like the people that moved to Arizona, they're not letting other people know what actual, like some actual people from Arizona can be like. Yes. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of what I had heard too. And, and, and then once, once I got there, I was really blown away with Arizona just as a state in general, because awesome state. Yeah. Cause we, which I, I just had never been there. I'd never, I'd never really been to the Southwest before or to the desert in, in America. And so we started in Tucson which, you know, the super far South. And so I played a course there. I played then three in Phoenix and those are both, you know, desert type places. And then, then we went up to Sedona, which was just this epic, you know, red rocks and kind of this spiritual awakening getaway that's become really you know popular for people now. So we were there for, for a few days and we went to Flagstaff, which is, you know, kind of just like an Alpine country, you know, it's, it's, you wouldn't believe you're in the same state if, no. if i don't people need to like if you haven't been to arizona go and google all these places click images and you will not believe they're in the same state yes and then of course you cap it off with the grand canyon which is uh, you know the extreme northern part of the state so yeah i was blown away when we were there for sure i uh i was on a flight earlier this year to california and I've, I've never seen the grand canyon even though i've been to arizona a bunch and uh i was uh i'm in a seat there's a guy beside me um, in the middle and there's a there's a bigger lad in the window seat and the pilot goes if you look out your left uh you're gonna you can see um the grand canyon the guy in the window seat opens the window for like a second blocks the whole window with his head and then just slams it shut and goes back to sleep and me and the guy there are just like <laughs> guess i'll never see <laughs> guess i'll never see it i don't know um that's like that's just that's my memory of uh the grand canyon but um well it's it, it is much better on the ground. So you'll love, you'll, you need to go there sometime. You'll love it. I'm I'll sure. have to. And I, I don't want to go into all the stories because I, I think the next best part here and, and it is that you are writing a book with this. It isn't just a trip, right? The goal is to write a book. How is uh, that going? And um, I know you're looking for a publisher for that. Like, how's that search been? Yeah. So that's really been going on this week. So we, we got back in town 
or we finished the trip in Hawaii just before Christmas. And then we had, you know, we'd celebrate Christmas with our families on different, my family's in Tennessee, my girlfriend Mia's family's in California, but they were at the, her sister's house in Oregon. So we were kind of spread out around doing that. And then, um, so we weren't really home, home until just after New Year's. And then we're unpacking the van slash our lives you know, um, for the past nine months and looking around my house being like, whose stuff is this? Oh, yeah, that's oh, yeah, I, I remember that shirt. I remember this, you know. And so then so really the past two weeks have been my first couple of weeks, like sitting down at my desk and like, all right, let's figure this out. So this week yeah, I announced the book to everybody, which which I was super pumped. It went really well on social media. And um, and so, yeah, now I'm just starting to hunt for a publisher and have a few contacts that have reached out so far which is great and so we'll hopefully have that nailed down here in the next short bit but yeah and then working on the book which you know this, this is my first book so as I sell this to agents and publishers you know I'm a certainly a debut author I don't I don't come in with you know a million followers on social media or anything like that and so I'm hoping someone takes a chance certainly and I just know I've, I've got a really good story to tell certainly I think that's the key. And, and that's what we're trying to do here is like, just do it right. And it will happen, right? Like if you're doing it right at the end of the day, you know, the reason why you went out on that trip in the first place was like, if I don't do this, it's going to drive me crazy. Now it's obviously a book. And it's like, if it doesn't end up working out or doesn't end up blowing up or being a New York times bestseller, which I think one person just has to buy it. And then you're a New York times bestseller, but, um, <laughs> you know, you, you still did it for the right reasons. You're still telling stories. You have stories for a lifetime and uh, you inspired me. Uh, my last question before we kind of wrap things up, you, what did you leave uh, Nashville handicap wise as, and what did you come back as after all that golf? So I had had shoulder surgery in the summer of 2021. I had like oh, a bunch real. of stuff done to my left shoulder and I was rehabbing, you know, all fall slash winter and then was prepping for this trip and so I was uh I only played one nine hole round of golf before I left on the trip wow like and so just because I got so busy with stuff and then I was like oh hey I need to make sure I can actually play golf that's probably a key element of this and so the first little bit was just kind of remembering the feels and stuff from not having played and you know, eight or nine months prior. And so, uh, but it, I, I basically ended up kind of back around where I was. Like I, I always bounce between like a, a right, right around a one, um, like a zero and a one and kind of stayed around there. Had I went through some like really rough patches. <laughs> like when I was, cause when you're playing that much, not to sound like a martyr here that had to play all this golf, you know, but I definitely like when you're playing every day, you're like, okay, I need a few days off to figure out. You know, yeah, for the, sure to figure some things out with the swing. And so, yeah, so the game stayed well. I mean, I was so not focused on that just because I was so locked into the people the whole time that I was playing with that my game was always super secondary, which actually I think kind of helped me play better. I told you I had one more question, but I, I think I, I like to ask people what their relationship with golf is. And I'm I'm wondering, like, how has that changed for you after the last nine months being in 50 different states, meeting 250 different playing partners like has it changed for you yeah i think it's changed in a major way i mean the the tagline to pair it up has always been stories beyond the scorecard and so the you know I, I never talk about what somebody shoots or even what i shoot unless something remarkable happens like i actually played with a college kid in minneapolis on this trip who shot 63 and it was amazing Playing. to watch he made nine birdies and an eagle and two bogeys <laughs> 
so that was remarkable and, and definitely worth talking about. But so, yeah, so relationship wise with that, I mean, it, it's definitely changed the my outlook on the places I want to spend my time and money where, you know, it's not like I'm going to only ever play municipal courses for the rest of my life, but I think I, I, I'll still lean heavily in the way of places that have their doors open to everybody, just because I, I feel like, you know, friends of mine or uh, gosh, I don't know, colleagues or, you know, other people on golf media, there's, there's kind of this obsession with getting onto the next great course, right. Or just getting access to these places that are so hard to get into. And I understand that chase and like, I'm sure those places are awesome. And maybe one day I'll go to some of these places too. But for me, like, I just want to be right now golf wise, like, Hey, where, where's everybody welcome? Where are there no gates? Where are the doors wide open? And those are the places that I feel good about spending my money and, and time and energy, regardless of how many stars they have on any reviews and that kind of thing. And so I, I really see golf as this communal activity now. So where even there's some friends as I've gotten back in town that I want to hang out with and I'm like, well, Hey, let's just go walk nine holes. And even though it's it's winter here, it's crappy. It's I mean, you can still play, so I'm not going to complain too much. Yeah, <laughs> to you want to see what I got going on? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, you get like these, you know, or we'll get these random days that are 70 out and then days that are like 30. But I mean, you can play the whole year pretty much. And so, you know, but anyway, I, you know, I've I, I just see it as a way to connect with people. And um, I, I just see that communal aspect in a major way now, even more so than I did before I left. Yeah. Like what you just described, I think is why, like I have this, I have this love affair. It might be unhealthy with the old course. I've never played the old course. I've been to the old course uh, many times. Uh, I've walked all 18 holes on Sunday twice now um, <laughs> when the dogs are out there, but in, in, it's expensive to play. I'm going this August and I'm going to play it. I might play it three times. It, it, it's going to be worth it, but there's no gate. Anybody can walk on there. Anybody can play. And I think that's what makes it special. But what you just described is like those exist elsewhere. The only reason why the one of the reasons why the old course has that is because you have the memories of Tiger Woods playing there, Jack Nicholas playing there, all these other people playing there. But I think that's why I, why I love golf in Scotland is everything feels like the best, of the best, the gates are open and it, it has be, it feels very North American that there's these shut gates and there's gatekeepers and, and at these great courses in golf, but you don't need that, right? You don't at the end of the day, when you walk off X course, the memories are the same as if you walked off a uh, Porky Oliver in uh, <laughs> Delaware there, right? Yeah, that's, that's a good point too, because I, mean, I remember seeing a video of as soon as the open concluded last year which is, you know, one of the more epic tournaments that, in recent memory. And suddenly everybody just walk around on the course. There's kids crawling. Yeah, Cause they're like, the this is my town. Like I got, I got to go walk my dog. I don't know where else am I going to do it? Yeah. yeah. And so, and so, you know, I, I found places on this trip where that I thought were so cool, these municipal courses and that were so embedded in these communities that people hung out there that had nothing to do with golf, whether, you know, maybe they had like a restaurant or a bar or, just a fun little area for people's pets or kids to kind of run around and play. And those places really hit home with me because I thought, man, that's so cool. Like this place is a, is a, you know, an, an integral part of the community. Whereas a place that has a high hedge that you can't see past, um, you yeah, know, does no nothing sign. to welcome. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> does nothing to welcome the community and does very little in their community. Um, and so those those places, yeah, those places just just breathe a lot of life for sure. Yeah, I I think I I've always had this. I've always loved Augusta National. And of course, I want to play, but it's all it's it has become love hate in the sense of like that's not the golf I, I I want to be part of anymore is the exclusive exclusivity of it as you drink from a master's cup. Um, but like, it is a, it is a special place, but like, you know, if somebody asked me of the two, like, Hey, you can go play the old course. You go play, I guess the national, I, like, I think I'm taking the old course nine days of the week I, or nine days a week, nine days out of 10. Right. I just, <laughs> I, I think that's what I've learned is what golf is about. And it's meeting the people you meet. And that's why we've started golf friends. And like, I'm, I'm excited to hopefully, you know, call you a golf friend. And when you come up to Canada, show you around some municipal courses, but, um, I, I want to, uh, end with where can people find you? Where can people, uh, keep, uh, up for updates on the books and, um, yeah. Anything final you want to share before we wrap things up? Yeah, absolutely. I, I'm, I'm going to take you up on that Canada trip too, because, I, I love it up there and I want to do way more up there. My, my family, uh, we had been uh, like a few years in a row up until COVID. And so I'm definitely missing going up there and East coast is where you want to go. You know, Nova Scotia, go to PEI. It's, it's a different world. It's similar. Like it's different yes. people over there for sure. Yes. I want to check that out in Montreal and Toronto as well. And so, yeah. um, so yes, yeah, so people can find me at paired up golf and that's on Twitter we're probably most active. I mean, Instagram, I you know use that as well. And I just started uh, TikTok just with this book announcement, which uh, I feel a little older than TikTok generation. But yeah, we're a little um, old for it. <laughs> yeah, but hey, it is what it is. And so yeah. I'll, I'll try to. I'll have some fun on there and try to you know see what happens. But um, and so yeah, they can find me there. And then uh, really, I mean, really, last thing I want to say is you know if you're listening to this and you were like me back in the day where you would call and tell the golf course you had four people coming to play, although you knew you had two or three, or if you would tell people if they asked to join up with you, Oh, Hey, well, I just want to spend some time today with my friend. Do you mind if we play alone? Like I want to encourage people to get out of their comfort zones because I did, it changed my life dramatically. And, and I truly think that's where you'll meet people that you would have never met otherwise. And who knows, they could end up being business partner of yours, a new best friend, or at worst, a really funny story you can have with your friend after the round. I appreciate that. I, I think that's a good message, but uh, Jeremy, really appreciate it. And keep on, uh, keep on playing golf with everybody. Yeah. Thanks. I appreciate yeah. it. Have a good one. Thank you for being a friend. Travel down the road and back again. Your heart is true You're a pal and a confidant And if you threw a party And invited everyone you knew You would see the biggest gift would be for me And the card attached would say Thank you for being a friend